Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can't be fucking around with this one. Yeah. <laughs> Recorded live. <laughs> Once been, twice shy. Uh, <laughs> I was about to close that window, too, on the computer. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, I'm thinking we go, um, of course, Browns first. Um, I think I'm going to split that Browns out and add in the other conversation we had about the the Filippo, and we can talk about Johnny, Browns, Josh, whatever, like just for a quick 10 minutes. Then we'll do a Super Bowl reaction show, um, and then a full show, which should only take about, I don't know, whatever you got to say on the Cavs, CBJ. I got the LFC MMA. Um, talk about the Ohio State celebration briefly, and then Ohio State basketball team, and then wrap it up. So, oh, and then on cool. the uh, the Super Bowl show, just talk about the Hall of Fame real quick. Just mention who's going in and stuff like that. Okay. Right. Who is going in besides uh, Junior Seau and uh, Boss? Junior, Junior Seau, Tim Brown, Charles Haley, Will Shields, um, Bill Polian, Ron Wolf, and one other guy who I've never heard of before in football ever. So. <laughs> it's like his name is like Willing something. God damn it. Tim Brown finally got in. Yeah, no, I think that was the big the big three to me are uh well it's the three people that didn't get into Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace is the one I wanted to hit on. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Well they gave Will tackle of his entire generation. Well they're saying that's that's the conversation. They're saying uh uh Will Shields was the best guard, so they're why why you can't put two of those guys in at the same time, I don't you know. So but that's what we can get into real quick. That's what I'm just saying with yeah, the Super Bowl show. Sense. Um yeah, the problem okay. I had with those other shows, they were too short, believe it or not. And so the mixed cloud kept deleting it. So that's why I was uploading it, uploading it. Because they're only like five minutes long, so they try right. to think you're like trying to put up a song and then for copyright infringement so they can delete the stuff. I don't even think they listen to the crap. It's just like the service just flags it because of the time because of the uh duration. So Got People it. like the top five with the annoying things. I will say that. So. Nice. I think that's pretty good. This one's all right. Here we go. I figure we can figure, finish with Johnny. So, that's, I mean, I don't have much to say. And you know the league still hasn't ruled again on Officially on Josh Gordon. Who hasn't rolled officially? The league. Oh, on the drinking? Yep. On the failed test. They haven't ruled. It just came out that he failed the test. So I wonder. I mean, that's going to be. Oh, it's coming. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, just as you know. Right, but do you think that because it was alcohol and the, I don't know, maybe no. Remember the Matt Prater case. No, remember the Matt Prater case. Um, I don't. 
No. It, it, I don't. I, I literally. I, I got no time for that. That's part of what I'm going to say when we get into it. So you know, what I'm saying? I got. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm focusing on hockey and hoops, man. You know, like I can't. You know, I can't. The the league is fucked up. You know, they got this new conduct policy. That's what that's what convolutes it. We don't even know what the league's policy is right now because the NFLPA is challenging it. So you know what I'm saying? It's just right. it's too many too many questions, not enough answers. And that's what I'm saying. The league hasn't even ruled on it yet. You know. Oh. All right. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We have a special. Cleveland Browns podcast for you. We're talking coaching. Oh, this is D. Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Columbus. We're talking we Cleveland talking Browns. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm Jake from Youngstown to Columbus, and we're talking Browns. The Cleveland Browns have finally filled out their coaching staff. We're going to discuss that briefly. Of course, we got the news of the Josh Gordon failed test that we wanted to comment on and the news of Johnny Manziel entering rehab. Uh, Jake, let's start with the coaching news. Of course, we've seen the Browns have finally filled out the full coaching staff. They have uh, hired Kurt Roper, former Florida offensive coordinator, as a senior offensive assistant. They have hired Kevin O'Connell as the quarterback's coach and, of course, uh, Mark D. Filippo as the offensive coordinator, former Raiders quarterbacks coach. Uh, the one thing about Kevin O'Connell, he is uh, one of the people who was a quarterback tutor along with George Whitfield to prepare Johnny Manziel for the draft. Um, and it's just one of those things we see the Browns are trying to give Johnny every opportunity, but of course we'll get to the other news about him later on. What do you think? I, oh, also to the Browns have added um, – Joker Phillips as wide receivers coach, formerly of the University of Kentucky. Well, also on O'Connell, uh, he, he was also a teammate of Brian Hoyer's on the New England Patriots. So uh, if they do decide and they can work something out to bring Brian back, uh, that will also be a, a good synergy thing for the Browns next year. Um, I like the fact that he has a rep- rapport with Manziel already. Um, I like the fact that he's young and hungry and wants to be here. And I, I think that it's the way to go at that position, at that coaching position is to have somebody relatable um, and then also have the, the senior offensive assistant, you know, another quarterback guy that he can learn off of. So I think it's a good mix uh, for the two. Uh, I don't know a lot about Joker, but uh, – his first name is perfect for the Browns, but um, we'll, hopefully his, uh, his name uh, isn't the how he coaches. Well, he was a hell of a receiver in the SEC and for the University of Kentucky as a player and also has been uh, pretty decent as a coach. Um, the the one that scratches my head is bringing Kurt Roper in. I think this is one of these favorite hires, not saying – I mean, that guy did – I mean, I, I'm just going to say it flat out. He did nothing with the University of Florida's offense. They could run the ball, but they could not pass for anything, uh, no matter who they used at quarterback, whether it was Driscoll or Harris. So that one's a head-scratcher to me, and we know he pretty much is personally responsible for getting um, – Will Muschamp fired down there at the University of Florida. So Mike Pettin might be playing with fire with that guy, but um, surely he doesn't have that much leverage. It's not like he's the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. The the real 
thing that sticks out when we talk about all these guys, individually you can find things to like about all of, all of them, of the new guys coming in, the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball, but the one thing that they lack is experience at the NFL level uh, collectively and individually. Um, you know, it's one of these things. The Browns really right now, my outlook, and I'm just going to say it, they really do have to have a three-year to four-year plan. Um, we still have the same issues at quarterback. We still have the same issues as far as the culture, and we still have the same issues of missing on number one draft picks until we can uh, start addressing all of those issues or some of them. Uh, we're going to see the Browns struggle again. We finally, I mean, I guess have put our uh, fingers at least or uh, in the dike of the problems that, you know, saw the Browns lose five of their last games straight. Um, and it's been one of those things we've seen the Browns do this even in the seasons that they've gotten off to good starts. Uh, they end up on the second half of the season. I think the biggest thing next season that we can see moving forward with this new coaching staff and um, the team as a unit is to see them win games late in the season. And then also, too, we need to see these guys not make the mistakes. I mean, we're we're going to see them make the mistakes, but it's just it's going to be a growing process of watching coaches and uh, staff who are going to be put in positions. Uh, we saw what happened in the big game, put in positions where they're going to have to win. And we saw that during this season. We saw Mike Patton make some decisions that led the Browns to lose some games, um, whether it was, you know, who plays quarterback or even decisions on the field. So really uh, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer when it comes to Cleveland Browns. I'm just saying I, I, I am ready to embrace the patience of what that we can build here with the Browns organization. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I do like is it, it defines the power structure within the coaching staff and all the way up to, I guess, to the front office farmer now. You know, it, with when we had Kyle here, it always felt like it was his offense and Penn's defense. And now, now I, I at least know that it's Penn's team, you know, and he's going to set the direction and these guys are going to uh, bring what they can to teach his systems and, and do what he wants. Uh, so it's it's all on him, and it's it, the synergy of uh, this is your job, and this is how we're going to do it cohesively. Uh, I feel a little bit better about uh, the how how things shook out. Well, the Cleveland Browns have had uh, two news stories that deal with personal issues with uh, two of their high-profile players. We saw Josh Gordon, of course, the news came out of his failed test. Um, the league still has not made an official ruling on his uh, full year suspension, but with a failed test, that's what Josh Gordon, that would be the penalty that Josh Gordon would face. Um, your thoughts on Josh Gordon and this possible failed test and what a year and what the Browns might need to do uh, moving forward with Josh Gordon? Well, I mean, the easy answer is just cut him, but that's not the smartest thing to do. You know, you got you got to stick by – these guys that are having problems and give them the chances, especially when it really doesn't affect your your salary cap or um, when it makes football sense especially. Um, you go ahead and you stand by these guys and you see what you got. I mean, you got so much talent in these these two. We'll talk about Manziel, but just on, jo- on Josh, I mean, just to put him out there and then him succeed somewhere else and get his life strained out, you want to give him as much rope as you can before you cut him. And when, like I said, when it, when it makes football sense to hang on to him, you do. I agree. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I agree 100%. 
and that that's what it comes down to. I don't I even when I saw the news of the failed test, I didn't have a knee jerk reaction of just cut the guy. Football sense wise, Josh Gordon's contract, um he's not making that much uh and he's up for another deal when he would come back. We see Justin Blackman who was suspended because of a failed marijuana test. Um return returning this season possibly when we see the league rule on his reinstatement but his year has been up so he will be possibly joining the jacksonville jaguars so it can be done um we don't know we know what form he was he was their number one receiver down there in jacksonville when he was playing with chad henney and matt moore at quarterback so you know with josh gordon it is a wait and see situation there's no need to cut him it's not doing anything to the franchise uh people talking about sending a message or whatnot i i don't I really don't get that train of thought. I understand where it comes from. It's an emotional reaction. But if the guy literally is not costing the Browns from a bottom-line financial sense or a football situation, like you said, football sense, there's no need to cut the guy. And you're doing him a service as an individual, still giving him an opportunity. Even if that opportunity, at the end of the day, he says he comes back and is fine, if he's better as an individual, and you know that opportunity is kind of like a carrot for him to get back better as an individual personally, then you can part ways on better ground. So I think that's one of the situations that you look at with the Josh Gordon situation. And Josh had his letter where he said he doesn't, he he stated clearly he's not an addict because of, he laid out the things. You're more than welcome to read that. We posted it on the Facebook page, but it's not one of these things. He failed a test that he mandatorily went to. It's not one of these things. It's not a Matt Jones, the former Arkansas receiver who also played for the Jaguars and the Texans where the guy was found in a car, you know, with cocaine and, you know, um, you know, passed out or something like that. You know, that's what and that, that's what and we. You got to put things in perspective, folks. You know, you can't just emotionally react just because it upsets you and it frustrates you as a Browns fan. We're frustrated too, as bitter as anybody else. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But it's one of these things. Football sense, as you say, which is a great term. It just there's no need to just up and cut them because that'll emotionally make Browns fed, Browns fans feel better. And, you know, the point, and you can always point to the example would be Chris Carter, you know, someone that uh, started off rocky and then uh, strained up his career, you know, and Philly cut him. And, you know, part of part of it was he's he's credited Buddy Ryan for doing that, for uh, saving his career. But it also, Philly never got to get the best of Chris Carter. So that that's that part, and you got to remember that they're young, and that's my point is that they're, they're kids still. I mean, these are twenty year old kids coming from all sorts of backgrounds, and you know, it, circumstances have a lot to do with it, and it takes a little longer for some than others. And you just you got you got if you have if you're invested in someone, then you you try to get them the help that they need, and you try to. Uh, have that relationship where you both succeed. And then also, too, we might as well put this one out there, too. So, I mean, because it's, it's almost interdependent when it talks to the Browns culture and what's moving forward with the Cleveland Browns as a team and a franchise. Uh, Johnny Manziel has made the decision to enter rehab. Uh, it happened during Super Bowl week, and then it just came out uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl. And so, you know, of course, that set ablaze to the high and mighty and the people who want to make judgments on addiction. And, of course, Mary Kay Cabot was taking her victory lap. You know, addiction is nothing to joke about or, you know, revel in. Um, If somebody really does have a problem, they want to seek help through a facility, 
personally, holistically, religion, whatever they find, you know, to make themselves a better person. I think that's the, the bottom line. When we talk about, once again, football sense, Johnny Manziel's under a contract. If he needs to take a year off to get better, that's what he needs to do. It, it's not going to hurt the Cleveland Browns moving forward. Uh, clearly, Johnny wasn't ready to play this year. So when we move into next year, who knows what we will have. But hopefully he's better individually, personally, so those things aren't uh, messing with him. Also, too, we don't even know right now what he is entering rehab for. Um, we saw, you know, somebody made a great point on a sports talk show, called in, talked about Arch Schleetster, the former Ohio State quarterback. His thing was an anxiety problem with gambling. You know, we, I mean, it's been chronicled, of, of course, the, the bad things that he did. But, you know, Johnny Manziel had a lot of pressure coming in. You know, he embraced it, you know, at least publicly. But, you know, could that have led to some complications with the problem? We just don't know. It's too many, once again, it's too many, you know, questions without solutions. And too many people are rushing to judgment on a young man. I'm not going to say they're, he, these guys are kids. They're young men, but they are in a, a, a very, um, they're in a stage of their lives where they have to make the next step with their maturity to go into grown men and start making those things. And a lot has been thrust upon them as far as responsibility and also definitely a lot of, um, rewards when it comes to playing in the National Football League where it is a privilege to have the amount of money that you make for the craft that you do and to maximize your talent in that craft. So when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, there's something else that has to be addressed, but I do think right now it seems that they're taking a, a wait and watchful see move. And, um, you know, if they spearheaded any of these things or, you know, are having conversations with the players and directed Johnny to do so. I mean, whatever the case may be, um, you know, I like the statements that the Browns made in regard to both of these players, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. As far as Johnny goes, honestly, for me, this is as happy as I've been with him since we drafted him. You know, we've gone over this over and over again, and and we've recycled the, the drinking and the partying and uh, Johnny's going to live his life and for him to take this step and you know with all those times that he said oh, I'm going to do better and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to be here this is the first action that I'm really seeing going towards that um, and the fact that it happened last week last Wednesday and it's just kind of coming out today despite some speculation um, you know it, it shows me that he's somewhat serious about this uh, as far as perspective. I, I just, I get a feeling that he's not doing it to grandstand and show you and say, yay, this is the first thing I'm doing. If He just did it. So uh, hopefully it's a big step in him growing up. Uh, hopefully this is, this is his idea or a big part of his idea um, and it's not forced upon him. If it's his idea and he goes through with it, it's a major, major first step to the maturity that he's going to need going forward to take the reins and be a successful quarterback in this league and hopefully for the Cleveland Browns. Now i got to speak to the Cleveland Browns, though. And specifically, this goes to Ray Farmer, whoever does, you know, uh, background checks and things like that. This is a total whiff, and this is not the day to really go into it fully, but it's a total whiff here on these first-round picks. Um you know, between Justin Gilbert, Johnny Manziel, these guys had issues. Clearly, um, you know, the Browns thought that they were prepared for it. I knew they weren't. 
um, just because it, 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 you don't you haven't been you don't have the stability in place, whether it's a coaching staff, whether it's front office people, you know. But the Browns wanted to take the hype and go the quick way. Um, I can't blame them. I embrace the hype too, so I'm part of the problem as a Browns fan because I want to be excited about the Browns. But I'll tell you this, I, you know, on the Super Bowl night. You know, we saw, you know, a little Browns fan beef with uh, whoever runs the so-called Browns fan who's the Good Morning America tweet, and people tweeting out, well, now Browns have a chance to win the Super Bowl after the Super Bowl. If you look at all the events that have happened over the last two weeks and you watch that Super Bowl game and you think the Browns have got a chance to win the Super Bowl and you honestly send out that tweet, I mean, I got a problem with you as a Browns fan because I don't think you're living in reality. I don't have a problem with you being hopeful or being optimistic, but, I mean, let's just be real here. The Browns have a long way to go. That's why I said we're looking at a two- to three-year process of having a very competitive team because the Browns just aren't ready from a, a coaching standpoint, from a franchise standpoint, from a talent, a talent evaluation standpoint, uh, anywhere to play at the highest level, and that would be to host the, host the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, I, I think obviously, I mean, could it happen? I mean, I guess theoretically it could, but you're right. I mean, we're just, there's 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 a growing process. We talk about it with the Cavs, and they've got uh, two potential Hall of Famers playing for that team, uh, and the Browns have maybe one in Joe Thomas, and uh, it's 11 guys on each side of the football in the NFL. So it's, they do got a long way to go uh, for sure, but uh, I'm seeing signs and, uh, and I'm starting to feel better. Uh, I feel better than I did at uh, the end of week 17. So the, I guess that's a step in the right direction. Well, I'm actually disgusted, but um, it's not so much with Gordon, in it, but it, it's just with the Browns. It, it, it's more, I don't know, like, I, I and we talked a little bit about knowing you, the number one thing was the Browns are not in the Super Bowl. I literally was, uh, and it's going. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'll get to that later. Um, I'll cut that. Let me get that, man. I don't know. Um, we'd like to see Jimmy Haslam now. We'll be interesting to see his end of the year comments to wrap up the Brown season, and also to this. You know, we're just. It's going to be real interesting to see how the Browns move forward with a lot of other moves, off-season moves. We know the roster moves that they're going to make, and uh, you know we'll we'll get into some more of that stuff on future podcasts with an Ohio bias. Want to mention the Hall of Fame class going in the inductees? Uh, this class sees um, uh, uh, execs going in: Bill Polian and Ron Wolf. We also see Will Shields, the KC offensive guard uh, for years. You know, twelve Pro Bowls. The guy blocked for Larry Johnson and also um, Priest Holmes. So you see Jerome Bettis, you know his story, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and you also see uh, the great the great Tim Brown, who, of course, had eight consecutive seasons of 1,000 yards, and he's fifth all-time in receptions. Uh, the great Charles Haley, who had seven seasons uh, where he was in the NFC Championship and six where they actually won one. Um, he has five Super Bowl rings, 100 sacks total in his career. And then, of course, the late, great Junior Seau is going into – he's a first ballot consensus Hall of Fame member. Um, Junior Seau, you know, played 20 seasons, played 20 seasons, 
I mean, you you can say a lot, but he he joins that Mount Rushmore of great San Diego Chargers and Lance Allworth, Dan Fouts, and Ladainian Tomlinson. He was a six-time All-Pro, twelve-time Pro Bowl, um, and of course he had the Super Bowl win when everybody thought he was done when he signed with the New England Patriots. He still had more again, probably the best inside linebacker of all time. Um, and it just you know, I think it's fitting that Junior Sayhouse. Too bad that he won't be alive to give his speech at the Hall of Fame, but it will be great that he's being honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Give the couple that missed the, the Orlando and three guys that did not make the okay, yeah, three guys that. Uh, were snubbed by the Hall of Fame. Their first opportunities, Kurt Warner, three-time Super Bowl champ, Marvin Harrison of the Indianapolis Colts, and Orlando Pace, of course, Ohio State's on. But, of course, he was the one blocking for uh, Kurt Warner and St. Louis Rams with that greatest show on turf. Um, the Sandusky native, of course, Orlando Pace, we know how good he was. I think he leads the league in pancake blocks all time, so. He invented the word pancake. <laughs> I don't think that was a thing until uh, Orlando Pace was there. Um, you know, and, and for him to not go in, he was the best left tackle of a generation, maybe the best offensive lineman of a generation. And then you got Will Shields in there. But you're putting two general managers in at the same time, and Ron Wolf and Bill Polian, and whether or not Bill Polian should be in is up for debate. Uh, he definitely shouldn't be on TV. He's, uh, I can't stand the guy. Uh, and then you got Jerome Bettis. I mean, yeah, he had a great career, but it was a lot of two yards and fall forward. So, uh, Fuss is I, – I, I don't have a real problem with anybody getting in, any of these guys getting in, I guess is my point. Um, it's about time for Tim Brown. I don't know what he's done over these last seven years to get better to get in, but he's in now. And then, uh, like I said, just Orlando Pace not getting in this year is uh, do better. Well, it's kind of funny. Charles Haley was no fan of the media and did not have a great relationship, and they vote him in. Um, You know, the the whole voting process with most Hall of Fames just just disgusts me in general. Uh, And like you said, we got three other guys that definitely are deserving. You know, just we got to have a certain number of Hall of Famers each year. Put these guys in the Hall of Fame. Like, let them be honored while they're living. Uh, you know, it's one of these things. Like, you know, it would have been so great to see Junior. You know, the thing I remember about Junior Seau is the guy smile, uh, even though he was tearing people's heads off when he was on the field. That guy would go to the sideline and you know he flashed a big smile. We showed the you know put out the great pictures on Instagram. You know, it, it just you know that's what made you love football. Um, and that's those things, you know, guys were, you know, media trying to solve a, a story about people who's talking and who's not talking. Nobody cares about that. We, you know, you want a little bit of the human side, but you also want to see the guy just be successful on the football field. And I think Junior Seau definitely epitomized that also too. I mean, even Kurt Warner, Jerome Bettis to it. I mean, the guy cried a little bit too much for me. Um, and I'm not talking about him crying right now. His mother does have cancer. And I think it's great that she might be able to see him going to the hall of fame, uh, and always, you know, fight cancer but you know um i'm saying before a guy you know looks crying after the super bowl win against seattle and uh you know um but marvin harrison we know he's had some issues off the field after his career but uh i think all these guys for what they did on the football field and their contributions to football definitely orlando pace marvin harrison you're talking about three more people 
Um, definitely. And if you wanted to take off Bill Polian, that's one more spot. I don't understand why we have to limit the amount of people going into the Hall of Fame and make it so if these people deserve to be in, let's get them in there. You make a great point, too, about the, the thing that's not talked about, and, and it's illustrated in Junior Seau. You know, the, the human side of it, allow these guys to get this honor uh, non-posthumously. You know, it just uh, – and, and you also – same thing with Kurt Warner's mom. You know, you have families. You got people who are sick, moms and dads. You know, get them in as soon as you can. When they're – as soon as their career is over, if they're a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer. You don't – there's no need to make Tim Brown wait around because you can only put seven guys in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, God forbid we would have lost Jim Kelly or something like that and he hadn't been in the right. Hall of Fame already. So, yeah, I mean, it's just you just think about exactly. it. You know, so. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely a shout-out to San Diego. Uh, seems like, you know, we're talking about all your great players. Post-humorously, we talk about Tony Wynn or Junior Seau, but uh, just love what those guys did for sports, and definitely Junior Seau. Um, just awesome, awesome football player and awesome, awesome guy. Well, we'll be back talking Browns on our regular podcast every week here, and sorry to bring you down a little bit, but we had to – you know, discuss the news. Uh, Jake is hopeful, so that's always great. And as we always say, as always, go Browns. Enjoy the off season as much as you can. Hopefully some positive news will be coming. As always, go Browns. Believe land. Anything else you want to get in there? Right. No, no, I, but I am really, uh, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to stick with these guys for a little bit, you know, and that's the number one thing I thought the Browns really I'm, needed going forward is some stability. You know, we got young guys in here that aren't going to be head coaches in the next two years. We're, I, I think, you know, we got some leadership. I love the fact that, like I said, Manziel took an initiative to, in a step towards maturity. Uh, there's, I wasn't counting on Josh Gordon anyway, so he can just hang out there until shit settles. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think they're quite as far away roster wise as you think. They're they far away. Spending. We don't well, have. We don't have a quarterback. Graphics on. We don't have a quarterback. Yeah, twenty. Twenty teams in the league don't. Hold on. Hold on. Twenty teams in the league don't. Hold on. Hold on. Listen to my whole statement, though. I was just. I'm just joking with that. We know that. I'm not trying to get you all fired right. up. I'm not trying to be contrary to you. This is how I honestly feel. And if we are patient and they do stick with these guys for three years, then I see that I see yes, I, I can be positive. But I know how knee jerk reaction everything right. is now these times of days, and that's why I fear. I mean, we go through another season where I mean, next season, give me your best estimate next season. Just throw out what you just. I mean, I don't just give me a, a wins losses against best the AFC case scenario. AFC against the NFC West. By the way, best case scenarios. Eight and eight, nine and seven. Okay, if we go, if we go eight and eight, that'd be great. But anything below that is below what we did this year. So of course, then you get the media, and of course, we got a, a microscope with Johnny Manziel, and yeah. So it, it's just you know, I just know how it's going. I've seen this movie before, and if we don't give these young guys time, all these young guys seem that they have talent. They've made their way to coaching at some capacity, you know, at different levels. So I don't doubt that they have some ingenuity. I mean, it, it, it almost reminds me of, um, and I'm not, I don't even want to compare it to, but 
when we had Belichick here and the staff that he had, when we're talking Ferentz, Saban, whatnot, I mean, oh, yeah. we're, bringing in, we're bringing in all different guys. Cool. I'm not saying these guys are those guys, but we didn't know those guys were those guys then. So you right. understand what I'm saying? Like, you That's kind of what I'm thinking. But – but Do we will we time. will we have right. will we have time to see the tree yeah. grow on Lake Erie? That's going to be large part. Will, it, will a tree grow in Berea? Can, Does that will a tree grow in Berea? Do we have time can, to see a tree grow in Berea? Can Johnny Manziel be successful? That's your key question. I'm leaning that's, towards now. That's that's. I'm leaning towards now. If we. I, I would love to have Johnny as a third string quarterback and let him develop over time, but I, I I've seen enough and enough of everything else. I just don't have time for that. That when it comes to quarterback play, I don't have time for that. Watching those guys play last night, man, that's just a it's just a like from my eyes watching the playoffs play out. I mean, I just can't. Yeah, it's a different game. They play and a so, different game than what we're playing. So I would I, I would they're playing five oh one. We're playing one oh one. Exactly. Yeah. No. So that's what I. But I want. I want big boy football with the Cleveland Browns. Right. So. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I will say this: the one thing about that young staff, I think they will be able to find a quarterback if there was somebody else out there. Um, I said. Even if it's in the draft. So I, I'm hopeful. For, first of all, I'm hopeful for the draft beyond the first round. That's one thing. I know we're going to hit on some players when it comes yeah. to the second round. It's just guys that we got two more picks in the first round. We might have traded. Right. You know what? Honestly, I'm going to say this last thing. We might as well we trade those two first round picks for our second, third round, or fourth rounders. Have 13 picks within the rest of the draft for those two first right. round picks. We'll, we'll be we'll build a Super Bowl team within one year. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're all right, let's get. Let's get now. I know Brett Hundley. Where it's coming? Don't worry. You know what I'm saying I'm all on, I'm all on board. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Let's keep that my, one in the my, can for right now. My you know guy Sean Mannion. Uh, he, I saw he Sean might... Mannion on that. Uh, on that. Uh, what was that? Uh, they did some college thing on ESPNU. Sean Mannion. It was like Joey Galloway's team versus um. Uh, the other two. Uh, who the fuck is the other ESPNU guy? But it was some college football like. Like thing they were in A and T Field Center. This was last week. Um, but Sean Mannion, uh, um, Amir Abdullah, it was like a skills challenge thing. Oh, uh, okay. I want Hackenberg. I, I didn't. I don't think he's coming out though. But you know what I'm saying. I'm willing to wait for that guy. I think he's got the. I think he's got the skills if, if put in the right situation to be a, a franchise quarterback. Any interest in Nick Foles? No. I don't want guys that have been hurt. I, I mean, honestly. Yeah, you know I'm saying if we have to, we have to. Uh, oh, let's talk about that real quick. So now, where are you stand on Brian Hoyer? They're they're discussing contract negotiations with Brian Hoyer. Also, too, we saw Jordan Cameron possibly did, negated a four-year, six to seven million dollar deal. Did we talk about that on the last one? I think we did. Mm, I think so. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, screw that. All right, let's get into the Super Bowl. All right. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast of real fans. With actually, we can we can add the Super Bowl into the regular show. Actually, that'll yeah. work. That'll work. Yeah, get this over with. All right. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast of real fans with D and Jake. We are back with our regular podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Columbus. 
It is the beginning of February, and we still have love for you out there, all the Within Ohio Bias listeners. Uh, welcome to be, welcome back on in with us on our regular show. No more specials for right now. We're going to get back on a regular schedule, giving you all the topics that you love. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking, of course, our Super Bowl reaction. Uh, we're going to be talking your Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and their streak. We'll be talking CBJ, talking about the All-Star weekend and all the great things that happened to showcase the city of Columbus and its hockey City will be giving you a two-minute LFC Liverpool Football Club update. We will then have a quick break, and we will talk MMA and Ohio State, both football and basketball. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will be back with our Super Bowl reaction, and you know what? Nobody in America is happy with that call. And we're back off the heels of a great game in the Super Bowl. Uh, we know how it ended, 28-24. Pete Carroll decides to run the old Notre Dame pick play on the on the second down with one timeout left with less than 40 seconds, and we see less than 30 seconds, and we see an interception by Butler. Um, Jake, give me your thoughts overall on the game, how it went down, and then of course the decision not to run. Maybe the best running back in the league, Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch by Pete Carroll at Super Bowl 49. Um, well, what a great game. Um, the, the, both teams, I think we got the best shot from both. Um, you know, I think the Pats, the Patriots secondary were the MVPs of the game. Uh, the trenches were won by Seattle on both sides of the ball for three and a half quarters anyway. Um, and then you had the, I think, you know, you're up 10 points there with about 11 minutes left and you had that drop third and two at the fifth, at the 50 yard line, uh, curse dropped the third and two down to the 20. At that point, if you complete that, it's probably lights out. Uh, so give uh, new England a lot of credit, uh, at the end there, their defense stepped up. They got three big stops, Tom Brady, became Tom Brady, uh, you know, as far as all the deflate gate stuff. I mean, he broke the completion re- record, uh, broke Montana's record, uh, you know, although that's cumulative. Uh, there, were, there weren't many drops. There weren't many fumbles. Uh, there were no fumbles. So uh, I think at this point, Tom Brady goes down right now, for me, as the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I still think Joe Montana uh, is the greatest quarterback of all time. But Tom Brady does join a very exclusive club of quarterbacks. Of course, uh, join Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, of quarterbacks with four more Super Bowls. Um, and congratulations to the New England Patriots, of course, uh, on their Super Bowl win. It was a great game, uh, just a phenomenal play. And I, Malcolm Butler, the the rookie and the undrafted rookie, with a phenomenal play after he had he made some plays during that whole game, though, um, and got burnt a couple times. But you saw a guy play all the, play his heart out through that whole game, and then be ready to play at the right time. Um, you know, much has been said uh, about the Seahawks, but they, they, they gave effort, but they were kind of, you know, even on defense, they were kind of 
Uh, we saw Jerome Lane make that interception and then break his arm. Cliff Aver went out with an injury. Uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, were out there. But, you know, on the offensive side, they finally got stuff rolling after both teams were scoreless in the first quarter. You saw Russell Wilson doing his thing, getting outside the pocket, extending plays, extending plays. I mean, he had to break Nikovich's ankles a couple times. But Tom Brady came through in the end. Um, and shout-out to the Matthews kid who were making plays, the, the Canadian rookie who used to be a former Brown, go figure, uh, but on the Browns roster. But, uh, you know, I, I'll give all credit to the New England Patriots. They had a great run. Shane Vereen and Julian Elliman made some great plays for that offense. And I think one of the guys that was key just with the special teams, too, was Danny Amendola, who was often injured most of the season but was able to stay healthy through the game. And, of course, Gronk uh, did what Gronk did. And Tom Brady, a lot has been made about Tom Brady and his arm strength and the throws he was making. I, I, I The guy won the game. I had over 40 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, I don't know what else people want from this guy. So um, I definitely think the Pats have cemented their legacy as a dynasty and that Tom Brady, he can play as long as he wants to. Uh, it'll be interesting if they push him out like Montana, like uh, like the San Francisco 49ers pushed out Joe Montana for Steve Young, but I don't think Jimmy Carapolo can uh, hold any kind of candle to Steve Young. No, and, and I think Tom comes back and he probably has another three years uh, I would think he's already shown the willingness to restructure contracts. Uh, and we know how Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick feel about him. Uh, so I, I don't see him going anywhere. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm going to say that both Belichick and Tom Brady win another Super Bowl uh, with New England before it's all said and done. Um, you know, we're talking about Tom Brady. And the guy plays with pretty much no wide receivers of note. He had Randy Moss for a little bit, Wes Welker for a little bit, but it's like New England throws out uh, a factory of guys in a system that just work, and Tom Brady's the best at that, especially in a salary cap system, you know, where there's so much turnover in the roster year in, year out. All due respect to the great Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw, but they had Lynn Swan and Jerry Rice and John Taylor and Roger Craig and Tim Rathman. Tom Brady hasn't had any of the, that to work with. Uh, the best running back he's had might have been Corey Dillon for a year and a half. So Tom Brady, to me, uh, hands down, I'm taking him over anybody else. Uh, as far as the last play, um, you know, it, there's been a lot said about it. And honestly, I don't have that big of a problem with them throwing the ball there. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, they had the personnel matchup that they wanted. New England had their big package in. Uh, I, I thought it was lack of execution, and I didn't like throwing into the middle there. I, I would have ran the pick pay outside. But it's not like you had Andy Dalton back there throwing the ball. The only thing you couldn't do was throw the interception. You know, they, people were fine with it at the end of the half with six seconds left when they scored the touchdown. The, the Patriots throw all the time down there inside five yards. Here's the stat for you. Marshawn Lynch this year, six carries from the one-yard line, two touchdowns. So it wasn't an automatic either. You know, you take a shot with a pass. It's a thing complete. Then you got two downs with one timeout. You can run the ball twice if that's what you want to do. Uh, So, I mean, to me, it was more about the great play by Butler. You know, he just outfought Lockett. And and Curse didn't get off the ball. and, And Browner jammed him up at the line. And so the pick was it was non-existent, and it would allow Butler to make the cut on the play. It was lack of execution to me. It wasn't the play call. 
uh, Pete Carroll explained exactly his thinking. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna pile on, uh, on on that on that play call. It was just fine for me. I think it was just a great game and a great play uh, at the end of the game by uh, you know a, a player that wanted it more than the other player. I'll pile on because the simple fact is you get down there after a great play like that, which they thought was going to be challenged. The Seahawks lost 40 seconds, and that's where you really they, – they lost 40 seconds, almost had to delay a game, had to call a timeout. They were discombobulated on that sideline, and this is where the mystique of Pete Carroll rubs off here. The guy literally had a coaching meltdown in that last minute and 20 seconds after the curse great catch. They did not know what they wanted to do. They knee-jerked, come up with some cute pick play. He's like – Let's pass. Well, here we go to this play. It was the wrong play at the wrong time. I don't care. You could have ran Russell. Uh, you know one of my plays that I love, and you got a goal line stance like that. You then, you you then, because the the quarterback is mic'd up. You go naked boot, the most undefensible play in the history of football. You're then Super Bowl champions. The game is on the line. There's no time to get cute. And as the great Woody Hayes said, this is not Washington football that I believe in or West Coast football. It's Ohio football. Only two things can happen when you throw the football, and we know the quote, so I'm not going to, you know, but it's just one of those things. I just didn't like that. Um, you know, and even after that, you saw the frustration of the defense. Michael Bennett, who had a phenomenal game, you know, then gets called off sides. The, the Seahawks were just discombobulated after that. Um, you know, the, the fight, the, the penalty, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things that, and I, I think now, you know, Pete Carroll's going to be, I mean, you've given him a pass, but everybody else is going to rake this guy over cold. And it's going to be real interesting to see how that Seahawks team can try to recover next year. You you make a point a lot of times when you talk about the Cleveland Browns, when we talked about Kyle Shanahan, about the offense and defensive teams, um, the, uh, having two different factions. Uh, well, now they've been losing coordinators left and right there in Seattle. Dan Quinn is now going to be the coach of ATL. Pete Carroll, with that play call, I mean, he had to lose some of those guys in that locker room. There was Marshawn Lynch. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories saying they wanted to make Russell Wilson the MVP. It was just very, very odd to not run that ball up inside the tackles three or four times with uh, Russell Wilson. Or I mean, they were on the one-yard line, the one-yard line. It's football 101, game of inches, get a yard. And you don't throw the ball there. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the greatest show on turf. You run that football at least one time uh, with a second down uh, being that down the distance. So that's just my opinion on football. I mean, and I mean, I think we're going to agree to disagree, so we can move on that one. But it's just that's the way I feel about it. So yeah, I, we, yeah, I think that's the case. We'll disagree to disagree. The one thing I, I will say, I didn't feel like he was uh, discombobulated in that situation. I think any vote, any. They almost got uh, two delay of games, though. You no, realize he that, wanted, right? he, Yes, I do realize that. Okay. He all wanted right. to burn that. That's all I'm saying. That's, all, that's, the only point, that's the only point I wanted to bring up. That's the only point he I wanted, wanted to bring up. He wanted to take that clock down and score with as little time as possible on the clock with Bob Brady there. They, they were planning on taking that time out at the end as soon as it got down that low. Can I ask you a question question about that? Listen to me. They were going to throw the ball on third down. I've heard heard all that. I've heard all that. I just want to ask you one question. And then they have one timeout to run the the ball. All right, can I ask you one question? Did they win the Super Bowl last year? Yes. With the defense? Yes. Okay, that's all I wanted to ask. That's that's my where was that's that, all I want to where was wait I want to ask a question then where was they that were getting killed in the fourth quarter wait, yes they were getting killed in the fourth quarter but there's left. that 
vaunted defense with 11 minutes left in a 10-point lead. Where was that vaunted defense? I'll tell you this. If those guys can't suck it up for 40 seconds, to keep, they needed a score to win that game. Tom and Brady was on fire. He was on fire. He was untouchable. But that's what I'm. This is what I'm talking to the Pete Carroll mystique being gone. But this is what I'm talking about. This is a and then run Marshawn Lynch in with ten seconds left in the game. Beyond the decisions of the game, though, beyond the decisions of the game, this is all I'm talking about. I think it just raises a question that will be examined over this off season with Pete Carroll and the mystique. Him not trusting that defense, not running that ball. These are questions. Marshawn Lynch, everybody talks about this guy not talking the whole season long and this whole thing with the Super Bowl week and whatnot. He came out and made a very simple, eloquent statement and said, you know, it's it's a team sport. He didn't even address it, and he just moved on. So a lot of people wanted to say stuff about him making a simple statement about not getting fined and that whole uh, thing that ran the Internet gambit. You know, the guy came out and said his team. So Marshawn Lynch didn't throw him under the bus, but a lot of other players in that locker room after that game were questioning the play call. Um, and it, 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 it's fair I for agree. them to do that. Sure. I'm, not, I'm, not sure saying, I'm not saying it's unfair for them to do that. I'm just stating, you know, what the facts are here. So yeah, I'm saying moving it's forward. It's an emotional game. You're playing for the highest stakes in the world. And, of course, if you're sitting there on defense, you're going to have the reaction that Richard Sherman had. You're going to have the reaction that Michael Bennett had. So we, we're, we're, on opposite, we're on opposite sides of this thing. But I'm saying as we, when you move forward and you examine Pete Carroll this offseason, those are the questions that I think are just going to be raised for the Seahawks. And so that, that kind of that – it has the mystique been rubbed off? How hard will it be for the Seahawks to get back to that championship game again? Because uh, I mean, because Vegas, right Vegas now, has them, Vegas has them favored. Vegas yeah, has them I don't favored. think at all. I think they're going to be around for a while. Um, you know, to me, there is no shine off the Pete Carroll mystique. You know, they played a hell of a game, and it came down to to me, in my eyes, one player making one better play than the next guy. There were so many opportunities. You, you can't play a perfect game, so well, they were, they, you, you had your, you have your shot, you know. And, and New England got hot at the end and made the 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 perfect play at the end and won the game. So clearly, depth that, is an issue that they ran into last year with the contracts that they had to take care of. They got the same issue. Will Russell Wilson ever get paid? Even I mean, he led the team to two back-to-back Super Bowls. I mean, what more does this guy? The guy's only making not even making a million dollars. I mean, that's disgusting. Um, also, too, they've got the issue whether or not to um, – who else needs a contract there? Oh, the Marshawn Lynch contract issue is uh, they're, they're uh, negotiating with Marshawn – currently negotiating with Marshawn Lynch right now. And I'll tell you the one glaring thing that I saw, and we might see a Cleveland Brown end up in this spot, the Seattle Seahawks desperately, desperately need a tight end. So you might see Jordan Cameron end up out in Seattle, which they tried to trade for him uh, – in the off season years prior, that wouldn't break my heart. Well, clearly the Super Bowl invicted a lot of feelings. Uh, definitely enjoyed, didn't enjoy the national anthem as I expected I would not, yeah. but did enjoy Katy Perry's yeah. performance because she is America's sweetheart. And shout out to Lenny Kravitz and Missy Elliott. Uh, enjoyed the Super Bowl halftime for what it was. I mean, to see somebody flying around the stadium, I thought that was pretty cool, and I know uh, it was good family fun. So. I enjoyed Katy Perry and her Bam Bam Bigelow outfit. That was kind of cool. That's funny. And shout out to John Legend, Go Bucks. Oh, yeah, John Legend doing the uh, God Bless America at the beginning. Uh, you kind of wish that he would have sang the national anthem, too. Uh, Dayton's own John Legend. There. <laughs> or we could have just stopped with him. 
Well, you got to sing the national anthem. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the, that wraps up the Super Bowl. Clearly, you know, we definitely had some <laughs> emotions about the game and, and, and definitely enjoyed it, though. It was a, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal football contest. Um, but we yeah. now turn our attentions to what will savor us until football next year. Of course, hoops, hockey, and MMA. And, of course, the soccer. We will talk your Cleveland Cavaliers now. Ten games in a row. We had the cast podcast that you heard from January uh, when people were calling for David Black to be fired um, and the difference that ten games can make. Jake, what are you seeing out of this Cavalier team now that you're liking, and uh, have you been enjoying this winning streak? No, obviously enjoying the winning streak. Uh, you know, I've always said winning is the best deodorant, and uh, that's that's proven true here. Uh, I think it's a circumstance of guys getting healthy, LeBron being healthy, um, the the two pieces that David Griffin brought in. Uh, it, it not only – it seems like it was also addition by subtraction. Uh, the pieces fit better now. Uh, I think roles are more defined. Uh, so it's – you know, it, we've said it all along. There's going to be a learning curve. Uh, we may or may not get there this year, but – uh, looked up today, and we're the favorites in the Eastern Conference again. So there you go, 10 games. Yeah, definitely a game behind the Chicago Bulls, and I'll get to the standings. But uh, and I think yeah, I, we'll, we'll, I'm going to tell you like this. T- stay tuned for the end of the show because I'm going to have a bold, bold prediction to end this podcast about uh, basketball for the Ohio teams, both college and professional. So that will be the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Ohio State Buckeyes. But for the month of February – I will tell you this, during the streak, though, the Cavs have had a, a winning difference of 12.6. Everybody loves that diff up on the Jumbo Trine in the Cavalier Stadium. Um, the other thing about this winning streak, we saw the Cavs play improved defense. We saw Kyrie Irving break out into a shell, uh, break out of a shell, uh, of course, with the great 55-point game without LeBron there. Uh, previous before that, 40-plus with LeBron, um, they both you know combined scored for 70 points. What I like is the Cavs are finding different ways to win night in and night out. We saw the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves where, uh, of course, Andrew Wiggins had a great first half, uh, 23 points, only seven of, in the third quarter, and then uh, one field goal, one three-pointer in the fourth quarter when it mattered, and LeBron had 16. You kind of saw Wiggins-LeBron go after each other, but we saw, of course, the superstar that is LeBron James and the the trying to make a name for himself out there, um, showcase. And if, if Andrew Wiggins could play against the Cavs every night, I think the guy would be fine. But he doesn't bring that competitive spirit night in, night out, and I think that's just part of the struggles as a rookie. What the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing right now, I almost think it's almost like you're seeing a uh, fighter in training. The, the Cavs are finding, you know, what they do well and how they're going to do it. You know, they, they've got a steady, you know, jab you know, with uh, Kevin Love and, and Tristan Thompson rebounding and getting the offensive rebounds, keeping it going. They got a guy like J.R. Smith who can just be a haymaker any night, can give you a 29 points or just give you the defense that you need. You know, you got Shumpert um, coming in off the bench with great energy, giving you a little bit of a, 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 a clinch up, you know, uh, fighting in close game. And then you got Kyrie Irving, who's an uppercut. I mean, this guy literally can drop 30, 40, go 10 points straight on you. Uh, you got Timothy Mozgov, who's been like a straight right now, just steady, you know, giving you a double-double every night out of that starting role. And then, of course, LeBron is the right hook. And, I mean, that's the that's the money 
that's the money shot that can literally put a team out any night. So I love what the Cavs are doing, and I, I think we're going to see some big things. Um, and like I said, stay tuned for the end of the show with the bold prediction about the Cleveland Cavs. I think that one of the biggest things I've seen is we've seen maturity out of Kevin Love, uh, and I think part of that's his health. He's getting healthier. Uh, it seems like the back's loosening up. But I said uh, uh, when we had that January podcast, um, he, he needs to concentrate on rebounding. He need, That's got to be the first thing. The, the bottom line, he's the third option on this team at all times. So he, he needs to do the things that will eventually facilitate the offense, and that's get out and play defense and rebound. And those are – rebounds a strength, defense is a weakness, but he can do it. Defense is a big part is effort. There's no question, and we want to say congratulations to the Cavaliers All-Stars, both LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. LeBron will be starting. Kyrie was uh, uh, selected by the coaches as a reserve. Um, You know, I think that's a big thing. Kevin Love will have more time to get healthy because he was not selected as an All-Star. Some people see it as a snub. We know he struggled to find the offensive rhythm with this team and put up those offensive numbers, but when you get 17 rebounds in that last game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'll take that in the night. And... uh, I'll take that every night from Kevin. No, that's all right. I'm just saying. When you get 17 rebounds from Kevin Love and his return to Minnesota, uh, definitely he he overcame the emotion. Kind of he had it going a little bit in the first quarter offensively. That's why I say he's kind of like the jab because you get that going. You get Kevin Love going in that first and second quarter, and then you got Kyrie and LeBron and, you know, the other guys that can finish the game at the end. That's fine. That's fine to have a team that can play that way. You know, like if you—that's why I talk about finding identity. That's why I kind of use the boxing, the the boxing analogy because now they're developing identity. They want to play better defense, be more physical. You know, the Cavs, the Cavs were literally ranked thirtieth in defense before this stretch of wins. They're now ranked number eight. You know, uh, uh, they were ranked thirtieth but fouls with giving fouls. You know, which was the worst in the NBA. During the 10-game winning streak, they are now ranked eighth in giving fouls. That means they're playing more physical. They're using their fouls. It's something that we talked about. Um, and you, you just love seeing this team come together and grow. And, of course, who doesn't like winning and win streaks? So, um, And we talk about win streaks. Got to say a shout-out to the Atlanta Hawks, who went undefeated in January. Um, you know, it, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, the Cavs will see them down the road, but that'll be after the All-Star break. The Cavs' upcoming schedule, of course, they get Philadelphia at home and the L.A. Clippers. Then they play at the Indiana Pacers, and then they get the L.A. Lakers at home. So it's not going to be out of the realm before they get to the All-Star break for the Cavs to be undefeated by the All-Star break. Just some other quick NBA news. Uh, when we talk about the Cavs' standings, they are 7 Oh. Right. You're not on mute, by the way, too. I'm going to let you know. Oh, sure. That's because I wanted to mention something. The, the, ahead, the Atlanta... Okay, go ahead. No, I'm saying go ahead. You can say it right now. Oh. Um, the Atlanta Hawks are an interesting team for me, for sure. They They remind me of the old Cavs team, like the Mark Price era teams. You know, not one defiant superstar, but uh, a product of the, the some parts. Uh, they that it's going to be interesting if they can 
uh, take on a superstar and then run into the superstar like we had to run into with Michael Jordan. And then uh, we'll see what they're really made of. Well, that is a great point about the Atlanta Hawks. And Atlanta Hawks, of course, are have the best record in the NBA right now with 40 wins and eight losses, which is just unbelievable. And I think that's a great comparison, actually, um, to a team that played very well together and for each other. Uh, the Cavs are currently... 11 and a half games back of the Atlanta Hawks, but they sit one game behind the Chicago Bulls in the fifth spot. They sit two and a half games behind the Washington Wizards and five and a half games behind the Toronto. So it's not going to be uh, – it, it should be interesting to see how they finish up with this all-star break. And like I said, stay tuned for that bold prediction about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that's a great analogy with the uh, the comparison to the Atlanta Hawks. But the one thing that's hurting the Atlanta Hawks and a lot of guys, and just going to go through some of the injuries in the NBA, uh, we saw Kobe, of course, is now done for the season, so the L.A. Lakers will be looking to improve their lottery status. Dwight Howard is out for a month or so with a knee. Um, Rondo is out indefinitely with an orbital bone uh, face injury. And then one thing hurting the Atlanta Hawks' chances of still going undefeated and possibly breaking the Lakers' record of 33-0 and win streak during the regular season is that Tafo Sevalosha has just went down with a calf injury. Um, and, you know, football is a little different than basketball. You run up and down the field a little bit more in basketball, and Sevalosha won't be able to gut it out like Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge loss to the Atlanta Hawks' rotation. Yeah, they, uh, they they definitely don't have the depth back there to back that up. Uh, they'll be relying on a young rookie. Uh, and the name is escaping me. Young rookie. So you can just edit that out. What young rookie? They got they got Demari Carroll, Andrew Payne, Adrian Payne. No. Young rookie. Schroeder. No. Schroeder, Corver, Payne, T. Carroll. Carroll. DeMar Carroll's not a rookie. Yeah, he's no, a rookie. no, no, not, not Carroll. No, keep going. Damari Carroll. Uh, Horford, the Eastern European dude. Rookie. They took Payne. They only had one pick last year, I thought. I thought they... Yeah, never mind. Yeah, we can just cut that part out. All right, I'm trying. Now you got my head scratching. Um, so definitely excited about the Cavs. This is what we've been waiting for. Um, hopefully you have Cavs fever, and definitely you'll see us going crazy during every game. So uh, want to definitely, definitely keep supporting the Cavs and look for those Cavs backers if you're out traveling around and whatnot. You definitely can always find a great place to watch the game. So shout out to the at Cavs backers. As always, go Cavs. Believe land. Love Cleveland. We now give you a quick – we now go to the Liverpool Football Club two-minute update. Very exciting news for the Liverpool Football Club. They, of course, had the 2-0 victory in the Premier League against West Ham. Daniel Sturridge is back. They won three points. They still continue to be in eighth place. They now move on to play Everton coming up on Saturday in the Premier League. They have the rubber match with Bolton. For the Capital One Club, they lost to them, but it'll be great. Both of these matchups will be in Merseyside in Liverpool against and uh, uh, hosted at Anfield. So looking definitely forward with Sturge being back now. Those strikers in that front line for Liverpool will definitely have the punch, and we look forward to seeing the Liverpool Football Club continue to win. LFC family, you never walk alone. Make us dream red. 
This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will be back talking Columbus Blue Jackets and MMA. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will be back talking MMA and Ohio State Buckeyes. What did I have written now? Can I have some? Yeah. Oh, we put the Super Bowl in there. Okay, yeah, we'll go see that. All right. All right, we're back, and we want to talk about the excitement that was the NHL All-Star Game in the city of Columbus. Um, a tremendous, tremendous job hosting the NHL All-Star Game. Everybody left loving Columbus more than they ever knew possible. And, of course, we saw the Blue Jackets – well, not the captain. We saw the captain of Team Felino, Nick Felino, the captain of the NHL All-Star Team. Jesus Christ, I can't even – I was about to make a point about this shit. Um, this guy should be the captain of the Blue Jackets. I don't – did you see that one meme that I put up? It was like – I kept retweeting it, the face palm. The captain yeah. Picard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we saw NHL All-Star, the Columbus Blue Jackets' own Nick Foligno, lead team Foligno. Of course, his first pick was Ryan Johansson. Um We saw a tremendous weekend from the NHL All-Star experience, the fanfare, the 5K run, the slide, of course, the NHL fantasy draft. Shout out to WAOB favorite Sandrine, who was a Jersey girl. And, of course, Nick Foligno of Team Foligno selected Ryan Johansson first. Uh, Jake, what was the experience like, everything? You're out there in the mix. Tell us how it was with the NHL All-Star experience. Well, hell of a first pick by uh, Captain Foligno. Uh, took the MVP of the All-Star game, which was uh, uh, seems like a, a good move, and uh, it was jackets were represented well, having the captain and the MVP. Uh, the place down there, uh, just a really cool scene, uh, just between the fanfare and the convention center, um, the, the, the uh, draft the night, on Thursday night, the slide, it, it just... It was. It just came off very well for the city of Columbus. Players were surprised. They loved it. Uh, nothing but rave reviews. Definitely. And, of course, you know, the great thing, I mean, Ryan Johansson won the hearts of Buckeye Nation with the move he pulled at the Skills Challenge to, uh, you know, uh, he removed his Blue Jackets jersey to then show a Braxton Miller jersey and then go down and try to score a goal. And then, of course, with the flying V formation with the whole team for the Skills Challenge, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets just stole the show, I think, NHL All-Star Weekend as befitting of a host city and host team. Some other great highlights. I mean, we know there was 29 goals scored in the NHL All-Star game. Uh, Team Foligno did come up short there. Did they, they lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Team Foligno did come up short there, but we got to see a great showcase of music and hockey during that All-Star game. Uh, shout out to Loxley, of course. We know, you know, the whip. And then, of course, Columbus's own OAR performed uh, with Jerry DePizzo, the Columbus native, and, of course, the Ohio State alums, Mark Robert, Richard, and, of course, Chris Kulo. So shout out to o of a revolution. Uh, definitely uh, huge, huge fans and personal friends of with an Ohio bias. Uh, just, just so amazed by the – uh, experience the whole NHL All-Star game came off so well, and we definitely, definitely enjoyed it. We now look forward to uh, – oh, just also want to say uh, speedy recovery to Sergei Bobrovsky, who could not uh, perform 
in the NHL All-Star game due to the groin injury he suffered literally the Wednesday before uh, All-Star weekend, uh, which really sucked, and his father came all the way from Russia to see him. Um, but I'm, I'm sure he was happy just to be able to hang with family. But definitely, definitely speedy recovery to Bob. And, you know, he was not missed. He was definitely still a part of the action, and we know why the other Blue Jackets were there to be able to celebrate. Um, we saw that Nick Foligno be the captain of one of the NHL All-Star teams. It begs the question when he'll become the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, he just signed the big contract, so he's going to be around for a while, and it would be a fine selection. Uh, from what I'm hearing, Boone Jenner has been a captain everywhere he's been, and he's a big vocal leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Salino is great in the clubhouse, but I don't know if he's the big vocal leader. And so I, I almost feel like they're grooming Boone Jenner and don't want to make Salino the captain. Uh, quite as soon as uh, as as we want them to name a captain. Well, that's very interesting. I just think it's just one of those things that you you, you just seen. Uh, and that was one great showcase about the All Star Weekend. You saw the Blue Jackets be able to showcase their personalities, and a lot of the hockey players showcase their personalities. But Felino and Johansson really stepped stood out among uh, all the names names of the Stamkos, of course Ovechkin, uh, who was uh, trying to get a free car for the uh, Washington. Uh, uh, kids team, which was uh, when the reason came out why he was shelling so hard for the free car, that was great. But you know, it, it was uh, it was just one of those things you would definitely like to see the Blue Jackets name a captain. But I guess they will do all things in good time. Uh, the other great thing happening with the Blue Jackets right now, great to see Anisimov come back and definitely Ryan Murray back in the fold. Uh, Fosberg and goal, um, even though they have dropped the two games after the All Star break to the Panthers and the Lightning. And hopefully we get to see Boone back uh, soon as well. He's uh, he's getting close. So the the Blue Jackets definitely moving forward. Got to get these wins going and get the points rolling. Uh, pretty pretty tough stretch coming up here with the Arizona Coyotes, uh, the St. Louis Blues the Ottawa Senators, and the L.A. Kings. And uh, a quick note on the St. Louis Blues. We saw Martin Brodeur announce his retirement, and he's going to step in the front office of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I don't think you can think about goaltending and not think about Marty Brodeur and those great days with the New Jersey Devils. No, definitely the goalie, Mount Rushmore, one of the top uh, five goalies of all time, and there's definitely an argument to be made that he is the greatest of all time. So, uh, congratulations, great career, uh, Stanley Cups, MVPs. He's as decorated as they come. Uh, so, uh, looking forward. I'm sure he's looking forward to his post uh, post playing career. He's uh, going to be, like you said, in the front office of the Blues, and uh, I'm sure he's going to make one heck of a GM or a coach or whatever he wants to do one day. And one last note on the Blue Jackets, Scott Hartnell's 1,000 game will be coming up in the month of February. Uh, they're going to honor him, even though it will be that L.A. Kings game. They're going to honor him during the uh, game against the Philadelphia Flyers, which is fitting for the Bird Dogs. So it would be great to see Hartsey uh, reach that milestone. Yeah, one of the all-time great Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I've been a rock this year. Uh, been healthy most of the season and has really uh, stabilized the Jackets during some really rough times. Still enough games left to get back in this thing. It's going to be rough. 
but uh, just going to have to get some hot goaltending and uh, go on a three-week run and see what happens. Yeah, and the Blue Jackets will have our full attention now, of course, uh, with not much sports going on. We'll be hockey and hoops all the day long. As always, go CBJ. We are the fifth line. The Union, the Union Army stands as one. And shout out, we got to give one more note. The great Kevin J. Valentin and the Union Blue Soldiers are doing a great watch party uh, for the February 14th game, so you'll definitely be seeing that following, flowing through the waves of social media. All right, we want to talk MMA. And real quick, we saw some great matches happen over the months of December and uh, here in January. But the most recent match, of course, we saw the return of Anderson to Spider Silva. And uh, he was definitely successful in a five-round bout. No ring rust. Definitely was using that leg to kick. And it was great to see him get the win over Nick Diaz. The other big match, of course, we saw Daniel Cormier lose to John Jones. They also went five rounds in a, a great fight. DC was not outclassed, but John Jones was just too good. The shoulder shrugs, the elbows, and definitely won the fight in the clinch. Um, just, you know, roughing, roughing DC up. And uh, we saw DC. DC is going to be back, and we'll see those guys fight again. We saw the great match between Anthony Rumble Johnson and Stopson at UFC Stockholm, Anthony Rumble Johnson with another impressive knockout, and I mean, just, I mean, he he really he really uh, raised some questions about the chin of Alexander Gustafsson, and we now, I mean, we now are going to see Anthony Rumble Johnson and John Jones on a crash course. Our own, uh, also on that card, we saw Cowboy Donald Cowboy Cerrone uh, in a in a very taking a fight on two weeks' notice, get a decision over Benson Henderson, which was a little questionable, but um, you know Cowboy wins. Henderson is now stepping into that UFC Broomfield card to fight Thatch, so that'll be interesting. And of course, we got to mention uh, the the pretty Irish kid Conor McGregor with his big win over Seaver that has now earned him a championship bout over Aldo coming in July uh, for that featherweight belt. Um, great stuff happening in MMA, but nothing goes better than, of course, Cody No Love Garbrandt getting his first win in the UFC, finishing the fight with 17 seconds to go and getting the TKO knockout. I mean, just so happy for Cody and Ohio's own uh, out there with Team Alpha Male. And, I mean, that, that camp is just doing amazing, amazing things. Some of the fights we're definitely looking forward to, uh, one that we've been talking about for a long time, Paige Van Zant is going to be fighting Felice Herring. Uh, the one note that I just talked about, Matt Brown is no longer fighting at UFC Broomfield, so he'll be fighting in March. We'll bring that up when we get closer to it. Um, and then, of course, the one match that, oh, now we see that Chris Whiteman is out with a rib injury. He will not be fighting Vitor Belfort, but the fight that is still on and now his line of card uh, sits alone is Ronda Rousey with her man and weight championship on the line against Kat Sagano, one of the fights you've been waiting for if you're an MMA fan for about, you know, five years uh, just to see these two high-level athletes get in there and fight. And this will be the year that Ronda will have the biggest challenges. If she gets past Sagano, she will then possibly have a fight with Basis Correa. And then, of course, now Chris Cyborg, who will be fighting at the end of February against tweet so it's some great stuff happening in mma uh locally anthony castillo our guy that was fighting in toledo in his hometown did not fight because of a medical issue on that naafs 
Cage Fury 21 card, but you can still check out a great interview that we did with him and get some background on him. And then Cody Stevens won in that match on that NAFS card. So congrats to Cody Stevens out of strong style. So that's what's going on in MMA. Just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, Shout out to Love MMA, Funky Monkey MMA Radio. We're going to be doing some great things and having more and more MMA content coming for you. MMA, hell yeah, Team, Team MMA for life. Jake, we got to talk about the celebration that is the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, that we saw at the shoe. Your thoughts and feelings on seeing Urban Meyer and that team host all those trophies as they were the census undisputed champs of the college football world, winning the AP coaches and, of course, the college football playoff national championship. One of the stories of a lifetime, you know, just uh, it's, it's good to see the plan come together, uh, and it was sooner than later. And you know, it, it, it's amazing how throughout a season you think back how one play or, or one first down or uh, one good spot can make all the difference in in advancing and and winning a national title. Uh, for all that to come together, it's so special and so hard. And uh, for them to to have the focus to go through three quarterbacks. Um, just can't say enough about uh, Urban Meyer as a head coach, uh, as a motivator, as a leader of men. We're living through one of the greatest things in college football history. And it just so happens to be taking place at the Ohio State University. First, shout out to all the folks, 45,000 in the horseshoe on one of the coldest days, probably colder than the day they played in Minnesota during the season. Uh, But folks just were too jacked up not to be there and celebrate the Ohio State University National Championship. You know, it's it's when I say greatest, I'm not joking. I mean, what Urban Meyer and this team did this season, we we've chronicled it all year long, but it just it goes out saying, and it's not done yet. So much talent coming back. Um, you know, the Ohio State spring game, as we joke, will be one of the most uh, competitive competitions of anything. And we got signing day coming up, so we'll be covering all that stuff with you more in depth when we talk Ohio State football, giving you a little bit more of what we expect coming back here for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But we want to get to the Ohio State basketball team and what they have been doing. Knocked off Indiana and a blowout of Maryland, which I did not see coming. They won. They led, they led that game by 13 or more most of the game, I mean, from wire to wire. This Ohio State team, Thad Mata has switched the rotation and now has Angelo, uh, D'Angelo Russell starting along with Jay Sean Tate, um, Jay Sean Tate, Sam Thompson, McDonald, Deshante, Sam Thompson. He ha- he now has Mark Loving and Amir Williams coming off the bench. The Buckeyes start small, but they play big and they play stronger, playing man-to-man defense. We are seeing something now. This Buckeye basketball team, and arguably Jason, uh, D'Angelo Russell, arguably D'Angelo Russell being the best player in the country. You got to be loving this Ohio State basketball team as well. Yeah, we're very, very lucky to have, to be able to watch D'Angelo Russell, just the, his improvement and the confidence that he's gaining. And I think that's the big point in this team. Uh, very similar to the Cavaliers. It's just it seems like you, you tweak the rotation a little bit, and now guys feel like it feels like they've got more of a, a set uh, idea of what's, what's expected and what's going on. Uh, the effort is better. The rebounding is better. 
Um, and I think they've really rallied around uh, how special D'Angelo is. Well, we got a battle coming here in the Big Ten. First of all, D'Angelo Russell is one of the best players in the country, might be the best player in the country as a freshman, definitely the best freshman, but he literally is up for a player of the year, uh, wouldn't watch right now. I mean, the only players ahead of him, he leads the country in scoring with 19 average, but the only players ahead of him are Jaleel Okafor uh, with 18-9, but that will come down after the Blue Devils did beat Virginia, but Okafor hasn't been playing, uh, at least scoring as much, but the only person he's battling actually is Big Ten uh, partner is Frank Kaminsky of Wisconsin. We know how much he means to that team, but I don't think anybody realized D'Angelo Russell is becoming a leader before our eyes. I heard Scooney Penn talking about him, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I thought D'Angelo Russell was good, but I didn't think he was this good. This guy, is he's wowing me. And, I, I mean, that game against Maryland. Maryland, it will be a tournament team. They will be formidable in the tournament. Um, they have a tremendous freshman with Trimble. They have, of course, Samarja, who was a Michigan transfer, and, you know, I mean, they have a formidable team. But, you know, what the Buckeyes did to them, it's getting scary. And the Buckeye stretch of games coming up now is uh, Purdue, Rutgers. Rutgers is a very improved team. I know I shame the football program a lot, but Rutgers basketball team is legit. Uh, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. And Michigan now has lost Walton, who was uh, hurt for a while. Um, Michigan State is not the Michigan State team that they are every year. The Buckeyes got a very, very tremendous time to now build some room up in the Big Ten and fight their way back to the top to battle Wisconsin for the Big Ten regular season title. Absolutely, they uh, you know, and we've we always question Thad Maud at times and his uh, what his thought process is, but you know what, he's got him back there again in a prime position to to win the Big Ten, win a Big Con- Ten conference championship, a tournament, and get him back to the the NCAA's and make a run. Yeah, we questioned that motto because of the rigidity. He never wanted to, you know, make changes to the rotations and things like that. But I give him credit. He's made the flexibility now with the rotation and also, too, with the defenses they're playing. And we see the difference. So, I mean, I, I applaud him for making the change now and not waiting till later in the season of the Big Ten tournament or something like that and definitely paying the difference. And I'm loving watching this Ohio State basketball team play. You got to end the book or – you want to just wrap it up now? Um, yeah, we can wrap it up now. All right. So definitely excited about this Ohio State basketball team. Make sure you're out there supporting the Buckeyes. Uh, as always, go Bucks, Buckeye Nation. Buckeyes follow Buckeyes. Shout out to the undisputed national champions. Uh, we'll tell you now the bowl prediction for both the Cavs and the Ohio State Buckeyes is very simple. You know, I lined out these uh, schedules for both teams. I don't think neither the Cavs or the Ohio State Buckeyes will lose a game in the month of February. That's my bowl prediction. Uh, definitely excited about the hoops. Definitely excited about the hockey. NASCAR's around the corner. Uh, there's still plenty of sports, just no football. So we're definitely excited about what is to come, and Ohio sports are definitely still peaking at the right time. Yeah, the, and the PGA season stuff to kick off, and we got spring training in 16 days. Uh, plenty, plenty to do, and, uh, you know, we'll have plenty of thoughts on not only our local teams but what's happening around the nation. So we thank you for listening to our podcast. We're we're very happy to be back to get a regular podcast in for you guys. And, of course, we always appreciate every tweet, every favorite, every comment. Anyone and everyone who listens to this podcast, uh, please share, like, and follow us 
on Facebook, Instagram, and of course on Twitter. Uh, email, tweet us your thoughts, agree, disagree. The discussion of our sports teams is what fuels our passion and our fandom. Uh, we always say a salute to the medical professionals and, and anybody, to the doctors, nurses, and caregivers, anybody that eases the pain of those in pain. Uh, special thought and prayers to the troops, those in service, those who have returned, our veterans, and, of course, those who might be missing in action or lost. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. As always, go Browns, go Cavs, roll Tribe. MMA, hell yeah. Wrestling is real. Team MMA for life. As always, go CBJ. Wrestling is real. And, of course, as always, go Buckeyes, undisputed national champs. You will hear that at the end of every one of our podcasts. O-H. Kyle. All right. That's pretty good. Anything else you want to get in there? No, that was that was good. No, I just had to. I, I, we had to get one in because I can edit it within tomorrow. But like Wednesday, I'm traveling to DC, and then like I'm at the White House Thursday, so I know I won't have any time to like do any podcasting or editing and stuff like that. So, and you can pick it up on Twitter Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday is signing day, so it's just retweeting whatever's going right. on. Um, whatever you can do just will help. Yeah. Out, so, what are you doing at the White House? Time. Oh, taking taking the tour, eating lunch, you know, nice. trying to see, you know, doing doing what rock. I do, doing 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 what I do, man. Right. Rub, rubbing elbows where I need to be, man. Wait, yeah, would you, hey, you hey, want to go to lunch at the White House? You know what I guess that's somebody a good spot. somebody sent you an invitation, and you were gonna say, no, nah, I don't want to go. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, but then right, we'll brother. we'll get back on track, um, and then uh, start beefing up on the college basketball because. Uh, we'll do a regular show and just start doing a college basketball show. So. Cool. All right, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. Later. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.